This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. And so that means that we've got to learn to listen to to the heart of God and to the voice of God. And, and um, there's a scripture that I want to read to you, and then we're going to move, move further in what we're talking about today. It says in John 10, 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, this is Jesus, and the sheep listen to his voice. What do the sheep do? They listen. That, that, that thing right there just gets me right there, because as a sheep, my first response is not, is God says to you, your first response is not to talk. but to listen. And then it's not just listen to anything or anybody, any sound, because there's a lot of sounds, and, and Paul says there's a lot of voices, and all of them have significance. But Jesus says to listen to his voice. And this is the part I like. This is why I'm telling you the church. He calls his own sheep by name. How many belong to him this morning? Yeah, he calls you by name, and he knows your name. He knows your beginning. He knows your ending and everything about you. There's nothing about you or I that's hidden from God. He says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And what he's doing, he's leading them out into green pastures. And that's the one of the reasons why we want to learn to listen to God, because he wants to literally lead us out of fear into faith. He wants to lead us out of guilt and condemnation into grace and peace with God. Come on, somebody. He wants to lead us out of confusion into the peace that surpasses all understanding. He wants to lead us out of our self-works into the completed work of the cross. That's what we're going to celebrate after the sermon this morning with the communion. We're going to celebrate that it's finished. Tell somebody, say, it's finished. That means there's nothing to add to or nothing to take away from what Christ gave. He paid the full price for our redemption and for our freedom, and he wants to lead us into a free life where we get to walk in that. How does that sound? Amen. So we're going to talk a bit this morning about hearing God's voice. In the Old Testament, um, if you grew up like I did before you understood the word and you saw, you saw the Ten Commandments, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, and you see the, the Almighty and that really deep, baritone, thundering voice talking to Charlton Heston, Moses, and telling him a word from God. And, you, and then you read the Old Testament and you see how God spoke to his prophets and to a few others in between. But then by the time you get to the New Testament, you get something totally different because John starts us off and says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so we get to the New Testament where the word not only was God, but he came and dwelt among us. And so we understand that by the time the New Testament comes that Jesus is the living word. And he gives his word to his church. And then on the day of Pentecost, he gives his spirit. And so as we, as we talk about hearing from God, I want you to understand you have a privilege and a responsibility. You, we, we live in an opportunity, a day and age, where we have an opportunity to have communion with God. That means that he wants to walk with you. 
He wants to talk with you. He wants to converse with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to reveal his heart to you. He wants to hear from you what ails you. He wants you to cast your burdens on him. He wants you to tell him about your struggles. He wants to be in communion with you. And in order for a relationship, somebody shout relationship, for our relationship to go deeper, because you know when you first meet somebody, now I have a few folks I know that's going to do the opposite, that have done the opposite, that have always concerned me. Let me rewind. I got somebody, he say, oh, my best friend so-and-so. I said, you just met him last week. How is that your best friend? Literally, you just met the brother last week. He's your best friend? <laughs> Having a relationship don't usually work like that. It usually starts off, you meet somebody, they're like an acquaintance. Then you get a little closer, you become friends. Then you become close friends. And maybe you become best friends, but all along the relationship is moving. Right? And that's our relationship with God. We, we, we first hear about God. We hear about Jesus. We don't really understand all of it. And it's like, that's interesting, and, and maybe that's me that you're talking to. We become acquaintances. And maybe we come down to the altar, and we get baptized, and we become a friend of God. The Bible talks about being a friend of God. And, and then we get to get closer, and you start seeing in your own life and in your own walk that there's a progression in that relationship. And to, before you know it, you're closer to God than you ever thought you would be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all didn't think you'd ever be as close to God as you are right now? And yet, and still, the Bible tells us that he draws us with his loving kindness and tender mercies. And so he brings us closer to him. But, but a big part of any relationship, a big part of any relationship is communication. And half of communication is not talking, it's learning to listen. Oh, all the wives said amen. Mm. And so when we learn to listen to the voice of God. And let me stop here and say, this ain't nothing strange, nothing crazy, because how many of y'all know God don't speak outside of his word? Let me say it this way. God's spirit doesn't say anything that his word hasn't already said. But we can learn to hear God's voice. And as we learn to hear God's voice, we get closer to him. As we learn to hear God's voice, we begin to have a greater confidence in what he's doing in our lives and the direction that we should take. And he also begins to give us clarity and wisdom around the challenges that we face. So I'm going to talk to you in a moment about hearing God's voice. But before I do, I want you to watch what I'm going to call part one of a video clip that I'm going to show at the beginning of the message. And I'm going to close it out the message with the other half of the clip. It's quite interesting. And um, this is a real story from a real believer who really experienced what you're going to hear this morning. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out of the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. But a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front, I'm on the right front. 
the other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand without God's voice, you have nothing. I'm about to have a panic attack myself, and I'm not even on the plane. Mm, we're going to hear the rest of that in a little while, but one part that I want you to hear is that without his voice, you have nothing. Let's look at 1 Kings 19, 9 through 14, and then verse 18, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. This is Elijah the prophet. What are you doing here, Elijah. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. King James would call it a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I put dot, 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 because his answer in verse 14 is exactly, exactly what he said in verse 10. Verse 18, God gives them other information in between, and he ends off by saying, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Let's talk this morning about hearing God's voice. So let me give you some background on what's going on. Um, Elijah is chosen to be a prophet to Israel. As you know, Israel's God's called out people. And just to refresh you, Israel's purpose was to be a light to the Gentile nations because God's intent from the very beginning was that all men would be saved. But he would have a covenantal relationship with Israel, and Israel would be the light to the rest of the world of what it looks like to have a covenantal relationship with God. Problem is that Israel began to do its own thing, and it looked like every time he would get them out of one situation, get them out of one problem, they would cry for help, they would repent, he would get them out, and then they would go right back into the same situation. In the Old Testament, even though we read the Old Testament, they didn't have the Old Testament that we're reading because it was being made as, as it was happening. And so they didn't have written words, so God had to use specific prophets to speak a word from heaven to the people so that they could understand the heart of God. And so God uses Elijah to speak truth to power. In the first place, he goes to is a person named King Ahab, and you may have heard of King Ahab's famous wife, Jezebel. And so Elijah shows up one day and he says, he breaks into the court of King Ahab and says, Israel basically is backslidden and Ahab is supposed to be the king of Israel, God's, God's person his, who's put in place. He says, Israel has backslidden and basically God's going to get your attention. This is how he's going to do it because at my word, there won't be any rain for the next three years. Until my word comes again, talking about himself, until I speak that there'll be rain again, there won't be rain again. And so he leaves out of there, and, and he goes into hiding for a little while, quite some time. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because near that end of that three-year period, Elijah shows back up on the scene. And he now summons all the prophets of Baal, a, a, a pagan god. And it's 400 prophets of Baal, and he says, all right, let's show Israel today. Let me do it this way. Let's show Israel today. Let's show them who really is God? The one that answers by fire will know that he's the real God. And so they said, all right, let's do it. We got this. They said, let's make an altar. You make one to Baal, I'll make one to Elohim. He says, you make one? He says, and so he sat there, and, and, and Elijah just kind of sat there and said, mm. And so they 
making their little altar and putting their sacrifices and doing their little dances around it and their little incantations around it. And, and, he, and they're cutting themselves and all kind of stuff and saying, he's saying to them, and so Elijah starts sort of mocking them, um, maybe your God is sleeping. And so nothing happens. All this, a good part of the day goes by, nothing happens. So he said, y'all, hold up a minute. Just step aside. So he gets his stuff together and prepares the altar to the Lord. He said, now, the God that answers by fire, I'm going to just make this even a little bit harder even. He said, let me just drench all the sacrifice in water. Because <laughs> I'm going to just make it even harder for it to appear that God could even answer. It's going to be so wet that it would have to be God. That's a whole other sermon. But anyway, that would have to be God that caused this thing to set on fire. And so he makes it all, and he prays a prayer, and immediately the fire of God falls from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. So all of Israel, could they really have backslidden? They don't know which one is God. Is it Baal or is it, is it you know, our God? And so they recognize, hey, the Lord, he is God. So then Elijah calls for the execution of the 400. They get executed, and Ahab runs back because Ahab is there. Ahab runs back home. To Jezebel. Y'all following me so far? Okay, good. So Ahab runs back to Jezebel and says, well, you should have been there. You should have saw what happened. She said, what happened? She said, it wasn't good. We lost 400. Well, what happened? Well, that prophet guy, Elijah, the one that caused it not to rain anymore, by the way, at the end of that, it's raining now. He says, the one that stopped the rain, yeah, well, he had your prophets executed, and this is what happened. And she said, look, 2022, put a hit out on him. Because it's, it's, as far as, as sure as I'm alive today, he's going to die. He's going to pay for this. Well, the word gets back to Elijah. And Elijah, who just saw the greatest miracle, the greatest move of God in his life to that point, he saw God answer his prayer. He saw God prove that he's the God of all the gods in front of all of Israel that was watching. Elijah's now not running from an army, but running from a queen, a woman. And he's so distraught. He's so despondent that he runs a total distance from Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb of 334 miles. That's a third of the way to New York and most of the way to Miami. He didn't have a Cadillac. Elijah is what some folks might say in his feelings. He's despondent because he doesn't understand how all these miracles could happen, and yet and still, really, the people not, or really aren't changed, yet and still, there's a hit out on my life, yet and still, it looks like all my labor has been in vain. So he's despondent, he's discouraged, he's in despair, and quite frankly, he's depressed. He's an emotional wreck. And it's interesting because he let his discouragement drive him 334 miles. He let his despair drive him 334 miles. He let his depression drive him 334 miles. And it's something how far you'll go when your emotions lead you. You go further than you ever thought you would go. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me this morning. There's no telling how far we might go from God when we're angry. There's no telling how far we can go from God when we're frustrated, when we're aggravated, when we're discouraged. 
And here goes God showing up. He let him go as far as he wanted to go. And when he stopped going, he said, now what are you doing here? You already know God doesn't ask a question because he don't know the answer. He wants to get something out of Elisha and put something into Elijah. So what does God do? He says, you know what, Elijah? Yeah, I know you're hanging out in this little cave. Come on outside. I, I need to take you on a field trip. So Elijah goes outside, and, and the Bible says that first came a strong, strong wind. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then came a, a, a great, mighty earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Then came a great fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. Can you imagine that, that God calls you out, tells you to leave your home, leave your cave, leave whatever you've been in, and says, step outside, and he brings, back the, he brings out the wonder of a wind? Because he's already told you, I'm going to show up. He tells Elijah, I'm going to show up. But he brings a wonder of a wind, but there's no, he says, oh, I'm not in that. I need y'all to stay with me this morning. Y'all know we had an earthquake in Georgia about a few weeks ago? Some of y'all didn't know. Mm. Yeah. A great mighty earthquake and the Lord is not in the earthquake. The wonder of God creating a fire just for your consumption, just for you to see it. And he's not in it. And then the Bible says after that, a small whisper. And I think there's a message in that for us. Oftentimes, we're looking for God to show up in a wonder, and he wants to show up in a whisper. We're expecting God to show up with something great and something amazing and something over the top. And he literally is just saying to you, I need you to listen to my voice. Oh, y'all are quiet. We look for God in the wonders. We look for God in the big things. We look for God in the amazing things. We look for God to, to speak to us when, when we go to a conference. We look for God to speak to us when we, we, just, we do a 40-day fast. We look for God to speak to us in the big. But sometimes God doesn't want to speak to you through a wonder. Sometimes it's just in a whisper. We just came through some major wonders in our world. We were coming on the, off the heels of a global pandemic, and that was a wonder. Come on, somebody. Then they came up with a vaccine that confused everybody because folks thought it couldn't possibly be developed that fast and be safe. And, and they're trying to, you know, pull one all over on us and kill us and take us all out. You know? And that was a wonder that they can get a vaccine that fast. But could it be that God's message to his people and to his church is not so much through the wonder, but through the whisper? We might be expecting and waiting for God to do something really, really, really big. A big wonder. But could it be the answer you've been waiting for was in a whisper? I, you know, I shared my story, and one of them, and, and w w the whole situation we had when we were on Lenore Church Road with the buildings, and, and the whole thing that I shared was um, when I was telling my son, it doesn't look too good. How many of y'all know the story I'm talking about? So I don't have to tell the whole story. Y'all know it? Y'all don't know it. You know it? Y'all don't know it? All right, you know it. All right. 
And so I was saying to him, I said, and he's here this morning, I said, oh, it don't look good. He said, well, God can give you a building. I said, no, 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 because we done looked all over for a building. I went so far, I said, I would look so far, I wouldn't even go there on Sunday morning. I knew they wasn't going. I knew y'all wasn't going to Norcross with me. I said, there ain't no buildings. Because you have to have with church buildings, you have to have the right amount of parking spaces. There's a whole lot of stuff that go with a church building. It's not the same as a lot of other places to the same extent. I said, there are no other places. There are no places. And, and I said, we have looked, we have looked, we have looked. And he said to me, I'm not saying to you what you can do. I'm saying to you what God can do. So that's supposed to be my lines, but I'll let you say it to me this time. So, and instantly, he said, let me pray with you. Instantly. Instantly, when we joined hands, I saw a connect point up the street. Instantly. And God whispered into my spirit, go there. I was looking for some wonder, something that was out there that was already set up that I could bump into and see, wow, God did this, God did that. And it wasn't in the wonder, it was in the whisper. And I think as long as we're looking at the wonder of things that could happen, we're missing the whisper of things that God wants to speak right now to our heart because he knows the step you should take. He knows the door to open. He knows the solution to your problem. And so many times we're waiting for the wonder, but God says, I want to give you a whisper in your ear. Sometimes God wants to whisper in your ear and say, forgive your enemy. Sometimes God wants to whisper in your ear and tell you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's going to be all right. Sometimes he wants to whisper, I am with you. Fear not. God wants to whisper something in your ear, but you'll miss his voice if you're looking for something else. So, with a gentle whisper, he speaks to them. And the question is, why does God speak to him with a whisper? Come on up, Brandon. You can bring it real quick. Did y'all hear what I said? Do you know why you didn't hear what I said? Because I was whispering, correct? Do you know what you'd have to do to hear me the way he heard me? You got to get closer. Thank you. That's the reason why he's going to whisper to you. Because in order for Elijah to hear the word that he was speaking to him, he had to be close enough. You only shout when folks can't hear you. You can only shout when people aren't close enough. But the Lord wants to be closer to you than you are to yourself. He wants you to be so close to him that he can just impart to you his blessing, impart to you his word, impart to you direction. He wants to be able to speak to you. And the reason why he will whisper in your spirit, because it's about you being closer to him. God's call to Elisha to step out of his cave and not to see a big wonder. But to hear a gentle whisper was a call to intimacy, to closeness with God, to closeness with God. God's whisper is his invitation for intimacy. He wants to be close to you. Now, interestingly enough, 
Let me say this right quick. I think that what we might miss is when we're not, when we don't know Jesus, right, God is way out there. He's up in the sky. Are you with me? But when you know Jesus and Jesus is in your heart, that distance is not the same as when you didn't know Christ. And so I think the world is always looking for a wonder. But the church needs to be listening for a whisper. Because he already says, if you draw close to him, draw nigh to him, I'll draw nigh to you. He wants to be close. And the closer we get, because we have access, you, you have access to the throne room. You have access to the, to, to the throne room. You have access to him speaking. The world doesn't have the same access that you have, but you have access. You can go places in the spirit that the world cannot go. And in that place in prayer and in that place in quiet time, in that place in the word of God, God is able to whisper. I tell you what, he still whispers his plan and his purposes to his people. I'm going to testify again. I remember when I was 17, when I was 17, and uh, Pastor Mona had just come back from Spelman, and uh, we, had, we had only been dating six months, but we already knew, you know, um, that we wanted to be married. The problem was I was just graduating high school. Look at your name and say, now that's a problem. <laughs> I, said, I don't know how this is going to work out. <laughs> And in that time, I wanted to be a psychologist. Don't know why, but anyway. Um, I wanted to be a psychologist, which meant eight years of school. So I said, oh, that's going to really be a problem. So um, we just went on a fast, you know, um, from the beginning of June to the middle of July, the consecration. And we would just go out to the beach and go out to the places on Long Island. We would just spend the time, spend the day, and if the God spoke something, whatever, we would just... And I didn't get any revelation or anything. One Friday night during that time at the church I grew up at, outside of it, we were waiting. My brother uh, was coming, and he had a key to the building, and so we were waiting for him and some others to show up. And sitting in the car talking about something that had nothing to do with anything I'm talking to you about now, in that moment, in that moment, God whispered to me. A whisper that changed the trajectory of my life. He told me just as plain and simple it was July 22nd, 1987. You'll be married a year from now, and I will show you how. That was it. But that one whisper, I should tell you that it'll be 34 years this August. I should tell you that my paradigm was either or. It's either school or marriage, not both at the same time. But not only did he show me how to, to do that part, but he showed me how to finish school at the same time. Because God's whisper, I'm telling you what, we're looking for wonder, but he wants to give you a whisper. One word from God can radically change your life. One word from God can take the crooked road in your life and make it straight. One word from God can clear you of the confusion. One word from God can take you from A to Z. Just one word. God, just give me one word. I'll know if I should go left or go right. Just give me one word. I'm so glad for the times he's whispered in my life. He says to Elijah, it's like a little, you know, the fact that it's even recorded the way that it is here. It talks about it by the time you get to verse uh, 18 
Verse 14, he, uh, excuse me, verse 13, he says, what, what are you doing here? And it's almost like, I would be like, if I was Elijah, didn't you just ask me that question already? And I just told you what I was doing here. They've torn down your altars. They've forsaken you. Only I am left, and I got to hit out on my life. So after this whole thing happens with all the wind and the fire and earthquake and nothing happens but a still small voice, God comes back and asks the same question again. Uh, Elijah, what are you doing here? And the reason why God asked that question, as I said before, it's always whenever he asks a question, Adam, where are you? Listen, God got GPS. He knows exactly where you are. Moses, what's that in your hand? Come on, y'all. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Who do you say that I am? He knows the answer. He's trying to get out of Elijah something, something that we need to see here. What I'm noticing is that as, as after he asked them in the very beginning, why are you here? He gives the same reason the first time. Then after still small voice, he comes back and gives the same reason again. And what that tells me is this. That he had the opportunity, but he didn't take it initially. He had the opportunity to shift his mind, watch this, from his circumstances into what God had for his life, but he was still stuck focusing on his circumstances. And so the message for us is real simple. Instead of looking on circumstances, we got to start listening for his voice. And he's saying to himself, really what he's saying, God, I still got a king and a queen that aren't changed. I still have a queen that got a hit on my life. I still have a people that aren't really committed to your covenantal purposes. He's saying basically, yeah, you spoke to me, but nothing's changed. But can I tell you, right after that, he says, hold up, go over there, go get you some oil, because you're going to go ahead and anoint Israel's next king, which means the one that's there is getting ready to be history. You're going to next uh, anoint Judah's next king, and you're going to anoint Elijah to succeed you, which meant that God wasn't finished, that he was still working. But between A and Z, he's got another step for you and me. He's got a step in you. when you get your mind and your heart off your circumstances and you're not looking at your circumstances but listening to the voice of God, he begins to tell you your next step. Step by step. And that's exactly what he does. For Elijah, and that's exactly what he wants to do for you. He wants to give you your next step. He wants to give you clarity. He wants you to be able to move forward with confidence that God is behind me. You couldn't tell me nothing in 1987 and 88 because I knew that God was behind me. God wants to give you that kind of boldness and that kind of confidence in your life. And that comes from knowing his voice, hearing his word. And replacing the, the, the tendency we all have of looking at our circumstances with listening for God's voice. Because saints, what I have learned is that God can move in the spectacular, but he also can move in the simple. He can move in the spiritual, and he can also move in the practical. It's all God. But we can't look at our circumstances we got to listen to God's voice, and we're going to get ready to show you part two. I'm done. We're going to show you part two. Hold on to your seat. Finally, he got us turned, and he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. 
He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage, and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. Finally, he got us turned, and he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage, and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s, started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. I knock at my door. And I open the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. He said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God. Oh my God. Who has I want to pray for us this morning because I know there are a lot of voices. And my prayer for our congregation is that we hear God's voice in a time of so much confusion. And maybe there's uncertainty in your life. 
But how many know that God is not uncertain? God is not out of options. Everything you need, he has.